Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos. I'm joined over Zoom, my good brother Luke, and Brittany, the pet girl, is back again. How are you? Yeah, so good. So good to be back. Round two. Uh, round two. This is uh, a big achievement, being not only uh, on the show once, but coming on twice is... Um, you. I feel like I peer pressured you into this one a little bit, but... Uh, no, we like it. We, we like when people yeah. are keen to get on and have a, a discussion. I have to say, before we get into anything... I don't know if people are like, oh, my God, are they going to talk about the same topic again? But it's important to us. We must discuss it. And before we get into it, I think when there's adversity around, I think a reaction to it is becoming wiser and stronger and then also building more community around it. So I just want to yeah. start off by that. Don't tune out too early because you're like, oh, my God, because there's um, th- th- there are things that we want to discuss today. But anyway, what were your ideas, Brittany? Talk to us. Yeah, so what, um, what I wanted to, I guess why I reached out to you guys is that uh, there was a lot of support from the community when the uh, Queensland Prong Collar ban came, um, like became a topic. There was a lot of support from dog trainers, a lot of support from uh, pet owners and clients and all kinds of stuff. And it kind of was this big climax and then nothing kind of, Nothing kind of happened or nothing really um, sort of, I guess, come of it um, in terms of like we got the result, it kind of got filtered out into social media and then it was a bit anticlimactic almost. So I think um, it's really important to sort of, uh, I guess, filter appropriate information, uh, filter appropriate information into the community about what's happening now, but then also talk about like where do we go from here? Um, and I think you well, guys are two awesome people to be able to have that conversation and we train kind of similarly, but like kind of similar, but then also differently. Uh, and so I think it's a good conversation to have and kind of turn something that was a negative and find the positives in it and where we can go from here. I love that. I totally agree. Um, well, I guess. So for, I guess for anyone who's not up to speed, um, you know, if you haven't heard what's been happening recently, Maybe give everyone a quick update, Brittany. Oh, quick. For, for, right. for someone who, let's say, just came into this episode and they, they don't have the context for what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. So um, long story, really long story short, because it happened over like almost a course of a year, uh, the Queensland government decided to pass through legislation uh, that was looked at, uh, looking at banning the uh, use of a prong collar and, and uh, possession of a prong collar in the state of Queensland. Uh And so there was quite a process that uh, went down, a a few things that maybe at the start of the process it didn't happen in the way that legislative best practice should happen. Uh, And we as a community band together and uh, tried our best to uh, fight those changes and fight that uh, that new legislation and we were unsuccessful. So um, it doesn't mean that 
even though we were unsuccessful, that it wasn't uh, like such a massive learning process. I feel like I learned so much about the community and um, and about our industry and about uh, how government works and how laws are made and what we need to do in the future uh, to ensure that, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't happen again, really. Totally. And, um, look, it's a big shame. I guess we're in New South Wales, so we're like, all right, well, we're next. We feel we felt it, and it's concerning. It hasn't directly; it's indirectly affected, not directly. So we're like, all right, cool. We just do our thing. Obviously, from my end, it's affected me because, of course, you know the way to acquire a prong collar, let alone to get it to somebody for them to use it. I think that has impacted me in a way, and also, as Luke just said, we're probably next. That you know, this thing ripples across the country, and we're kind of. We, we may get screwed. So, mm-hmm. um, and you had a topic specifically in mind and I had a few things that we should discuss about that, but we'll get to that in a moment. I just think it's, it's all just so ridiculous. In the last two weeks, literally there was a couple of dogs that we've exhausted all the other options and, you know, the, the human and dog relationship and the combination of both required that I think a prong collar would have been most suited for that situation. And, Oh, you know, classic story, showed it to them. They're like, what the hell are you showing me? We went through the rundown of it, showed it on their arm, you know, gave them a feel for it. They had an investigation, put on the dog. We went for the walk. And this was like session two or three. So it's not like I'm some random guy come out of nowhere and showing them a piece of equipment. You know, we had a good relationship. And, of course, our training isn't purely compulsive. We're using loads of positive reinforcement, using utilizing conditioning and structure and all that sort of stuff. So it's not just all about the tool, but they felt that, at first, they're like, oh, my God, is my dog that naughty, whatever. Showed it to him, put on the dog. At the end of the session, like, oh, my God, where do I get one? Because it was like a missing piece for their puzzle to acquire the best result possible. And it's a shame that it's already, because of the stigma and the looks of it and because of its availability, it already is a last option. <laughs> so it's like you're taking away not just an option, you're taking away the last option in my toolbox. Now, I don't take dogs on and do board and train, so I guess that would be another option to be able to rehabilitate certain dogs, you know, with my skill set. But is that going to be long-term for for the client? And it's something that I'm not able to do currently. So it's already an issue. And I think it's a big shame and it makes me paranoid. And because I'm seeing what's happening, I'm readjusting how I do things, which I guess in a way – is good, gets us thinking and always on our, keeping us on our toes. And I guess that's one thing about having the, you know, quote unquote, positive only society or whatever you want to call them, force free, whatever, is that I guess having that one, having two sides of the coin kind of keeps you accountable, I guess. I guess old school training was yank and crank, do what you got to do, suppress the dog, kill his drive. There you go. This is how you make the dog behave. And I think there's been there's a lot of use having a bit of adversity on our side because it keeps us thinking and gets us training better. I think as a whole in the industry, we've become heaps more sophisticated and so much better off in the last, let's say, 10 years that I've experienced, but also in the last 20 years. So it's just we're going too far one way and we have to make these adaptions because we want to keep this as a job. We want to keep helping people and we want dogs to have their best life. And it's just so ironic that we're saying this when some people are saying the exact same thing but taking away what we can do to do the same outcome that they want. It's just 
it's super frustrating. We've exhausted so many times. We want the listeners to understand how frustrating it can be because you may have a dog that doesn't, you've never, you may never see a prong collar in your whole life and you'd be like, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, but it does affect people. So I guess that's why we're frustrated. Yeah. I think um, the other thing too that I guess what came out of this is that the, the thing that we don't like the most and that is the segregation of the community and you kind of touched on it in terms of like there's different camps and stuff like that and what we need to be really careful of and what we need to be really aware of is that how we operate that we we don't continue to drive a wedge uh, through trainers and we don't drive a wedge through I guess pet owners um, and create too much uh, space between everyone and the reason why I think we shouldn't do that is because at the end of the day there is going to be an agenda followed by more so one ideology than another. Um, now the problem is, is if we create the attitude that we are um, we're so against each other all the time and and whatnot it we really then fall into the trap of, well, we're just going to get miles and miles apart and probably a lot of things that we don't want taken away from us are possibly going to look to be taken to, away from us. Um, and so one of the things that I think came up when all, all this sort of happened was that I guess was uh, a red, not a red flag for me, but like a, hey, I need to be mindful of this, was how the community were talking about each other um, and just making sure that I'm not subscribing to, uh, I guess, trainers that are, I guess, not trainer bashing is not the word, but just we should be, we, we're at a point where we need to ask more questions. Um, and like you said, adapt, right? We need to adapt and we need to get better. So we need to ask more questions and get better educated. So I always, I think the quote is be curious, not judgmental. And I think the, we, the more people we can help, uh, in the industry understand, you know, why this is such a loss for us uh, and we can help educate them and help them be curious. I think that's going to be better long-term for us uh, and for our other tools and, and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of a big kind of a big point that I think needs to get mentioned because I think it's important uh, as, a, as a community to, to not to not rush to judge people that don't have the same opinion as you because, like you said, there will be people that never have to use a prong collar. So should they have judgment on people that do? Absolutely not. Um, I think we need to approach it from we look at the dog in front of us and the dog in front of us, how is that dog How is that dog uh, operating? Are they happy? Are they willing to work? Are they? Do they have clarity? Are they working through their stuff? How? Like where is the dog uh, dog's emotional state and what does their training look like and I think we need to look at that on a dog by dog case by case basis and that sort of shapes how we approach a dog um, and approach training if that makes sense for sure look I think it's just it's such a reflection of where our society is going so I think it doesn't just trigger the emotion of oh my god you're taking away my dog training tools is that we're going in a certain way politically and socially that and again, I'm not an expert in this field, so I can only talk about how I feel about it. So I just thought I'd say that is that, you know, I've got to, you know, my son's going to be going to school at some stage. What are they going to be teaching? How are we going to be handling situations? What do we, what do we think about 
how to raise a child because it, it all comes into the same sort of category. How do we treat each other? How do we, you know, and I think what triggers us is that we want to hold some of our traditional ways of thinking, I guess, if we can call it that, because I guess punishment happens to be a traditional way of thinking rather than a very progressive way of thinking. So I think it, it, it triggers us on so many diff- different levels that, of course, in the scope of this podcast, we always try to keep it about our dogs. But I think what's most triggering is that it's that you're imposing. So I guess my, my thing is, okay, first of all, you're imposing something on me that you're telling me that I'm somebody who's, we'll, co- we'll say, a bad person because I use a certain type of tool. However, as I said before, we all have the same agenda is that dogs that live their best life and that yeah. we can still keep them. So there, there's that. And then also what what is it that we need to do we need to, first of all, move forward and just accept the fact that it's happened? Or do we continue like what you did to appeal these things, to push back? How much do we push back? How much of a wedge do we put into the middle of all of us if we do push back? Because we probably should, but also how do we? There's such a big machine going on that's behind the veil yeah. that like no matter what you do, there's so much noise everywhere that we just get drowned out in the more important issues. So it's 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 very complicated. There's... um. One of the topics that come up and it has been that has, I guess, come up multiple times is that uh, in the legislation, it says um, there's a clause in there about reasonable excuse. And I guess I don't know if it was everybody's way of just holding on to anything that, uh, you know, they, they, they said that, you know, if you don't have a reasonable excuse, like, like if you've got a reasonable excuse, then you can have a prong collar. Who gets think- to decide what's a reasonable excuse, though? Uh, we and go. I think the but- answer to that question is definitely not the people who you would want to be the ones deciding Defining what is a reasonable excuse is. That's so, the issue. So how reasonable excuse, firstly, it's really important for people to understand that reasonable excuse hasn't been decided, hasn't been uh, defined, and it doesn't really get defined until someone gets caught doing the wrong thing. Ends up in court. And they end up in court and then that sets precedence. If they can fight it, that sets precedence. Now, here's the thing. Everybody, like, you can talk the talk, but are you going to walk the walk? I don't know, um, uh, you know, someone that's been in court before, I can say that the courtroom is not a fun place. It's a scary place. Uh, and I don't think that anybody, I mean, I was on the other side of the law when, um you know, when I... When you were a police officer? Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and I think I... And I'm telling you right now, even as a person in enforcement, I... It's a scary place. It is a proper scary place in there. Um, And you need to be prepared uh, to be totally... I, I say the word annihilated, but it's really what it is. And it costs money too. And they break you, need, you down, right? Yeah. And you need to think about the consequence as well of... Uh, what happens if it doesn't go your way? So if you get charged with having a prohibited item, that's potentially, um, aside from the penalty units and whatnot, that's potentially looking at possibly an animal abuse-related charge, right? Now, if you have an animal abuse-related charge, you can't own dogs. You can't, you certainly can't train dogs and you can't even own a dog. So it's such a gamble. It's such a big gamble to and I think the the information that got put out there initially was that hey this reasonable excuse clause is such a win for us I don't think it is and I think people need to understand that 
I don't mean to be that stiff person, but like the law is the law. And if the legislation says that you can't do it, you have to cop it on the chin and you have to say, okay, I'm going to make an adult decision whether I'm going to choose to obey the law or not. Um, And that that's up to each person's individual decision about what they're going to do and what they're going to instruct their clients. For me personally, I have advised all my clients that a prong collar is illegal and I'll be no longer um, assisting them with that tool. And however, I can assist them with finding an alternative tool and we can do up a new training plan uh, for for like their, for their dog. For sure. Well, I guess it's what you have to do, right? Like what else can you do? What do you think? I don't know. This may be an answer that you don't want to give, but like what would be a reasonable excuse? What is an actual reasonable excuse to put a prong collar on a dog. That's what she's saying though. It hasn't been tested in court. No, I can't, you know, something. And I wouldn't even feel comfortable saying what reasonable excuse is because this is the thing that people don't realise. And this is the thing that possibly the loudest voices in the industry don't realise is that you can say these things in an opinion and go, oh, yeah, on a podcast. But what happens if someone takes that literally and then True. their life is ruined. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to think about that as professionals, that we don't just shout, spout things out. I don't think that anybody should be leaning into reasonable excuse. I think that people should go, hey, this is, this is the current legislation. The next opportunity that we have to change the legislation is to vote Labor out and hope that Liberal gets in and hope that when Liberal gets in that they're going to change the legislation or put pressure on them to change the legislation. That's- Who's they? Who would put the pressure? The people or people so, in Parliament? Yeah, so we'd put pressure on our local MPs. We'd put pressure on the government basically to revisit this Act. I mean, is it impossible? No. Is it probable? Unlikely. But have the Liberals made public what their stance is on this particular issue or not? It was so wishy-washy. Like one of the things that I found really, really irritating and I watched the entire thing is that when they go to a vote, I didn't know that it was done like this. I don't know why I didn't know it was done like this. But when they go to a vote, they say those in favour of the new bill say aye and people go aye and if it's louder than the nays, the ayes win it. (laughs) (laughs) Louder? like louder. How like, do they define that? I don't know. Is there a people count or some shit? Is there any AI stuff going on that they can count how many eyes there were? I don't think there is. I really Fuck. don't think there is. I, I mean, I just was listening to the audio, but like to me, that's what it sounded like. And they just like. Surely they up. must put their hands up at, or like no, someone they may must have be like put a vote first and then keep the eyes like a traditional thing to do. Like hopefully. I know Queensland's a pretty laid back state, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. If anyone can shine light on that, please shine light on it. But mm, please. It just, to me, the, um, which we've already talked about this, I think it, it goes a lot further than the actual legislation of animal cruelty. It's not even about that. I don't even think it was. I think it was a political move. Um, For sure. And because the, the legislation. That's the thing, though, right? No politician wants to be seen to be like to see it from their perspective. Let's let's play devil's advocate, right? Is like the, the uh, whoever it was, these advocate groups, these these trainers have gone to the Palaszczuk government and they've gone, look at this, look at this collar. Do yeah, you, yeah. Do you, like do you not want to ban this collar, right? And what do politicians know about dog training? Exactly. Right. But to turn around and look at a collar like that and to and to go, oh, well, mm, I don't know, it's just much easier for them just to give in, right? And also as well, you've got to think about 
like if you're in liberal, right, um, you, you're you not just voting on your own. You're voting, you've got a whole party that you're voting with, right? So like we had huge, Kirsty and I had huge support from the Catter Party um, and um, Robbie Catter was really, really, really great. He put um, through like a motion to, um, to have it changed and he was really supportive. They did press releases and stuff and we submitted stuff to them and that was all going on behind the scenes. Um, but they're one, they're like, they hold like three or four seats. Like it's not even anything. And I think we spoke about this on the last podcast. It kind of solidified how important it is to know who you're voting for. Um, and understand how politics work. Like I never really cared until this. And now I will never not understand how politics work and what my vote does. Cause we all are, I mean, if you've been, it's human nature though, isn't it? Like to, to, you know, until something's kind of at your back door. At your, yeah, at your, at your, at your doorstep kind of thing, you hey, know I'll, what I mean? I'll weigh something in. I, I don't know if I can even get in trouble for this, but I'm so I'm so sus on it. It's all pieces of paper <laughs> and pencils. They don't even give you a pen. They pencil? give you a pencil. I know. I know. Get to, to vote. I'm like, hold on. First of all, even if you're counting these votes, even if you are, which I'm going to go and assume that you should be, but I don't know. <laughs> no. They're in pencil. It's like that's like the dodgiest thing. You couldn't even do an exam at like high a Kino pencil. pencil. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. And I thought it's a HB pencil, and it's got it's even got the rubber on the back. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I'm just thinking this is this just seems too too much for me. But anyway, look, democracy in action. I don't want to start a conspiracy theory or anything. But we got the we last last time we did the the conversation. I bombed it with the wrong word. I said a c word that I shouldn't have said. That now made it have a warning across the thing because it was around that time. And now, oh, yeah. I, can't, I, can't yeah, exactly. I won't say it. But now you started it. You said. I was like, which C word did you say? A certain thing <laughs> a that. A certain thing that. A certain virus. We don't want to talk. Oh, no, I think you've triggered it. Oh, my you gosh. You're going to make the blue thing on it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, be, you know what? I'm going to leave that in and I'm going to wait until I upload it to Spotify and we'll see if it comes out. We'll, we'll, see, see, we'll see how tight the, the algorithm is. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's hilarious. Well, I guess in the message that you sent to us, you said alternatives and what should we do coming out from here? And I think it's really cool. One thing I would say is that we have to talk about alternatives. We've already discussed that we have to adapt and that we're still doing what we're doing and we're not going to just like drop all of our tools and hang out the towel and be like, screw this, I'm out of here, which I'm sure if you're in the industry long enough, you feel that maybe once every year. I think there's a time where you're like, screw yeah, this, I'm yeah. out of here. And then yeah, you're yeah. like, no, no, I can't do that. I'm never um, being a dog trainer ever again. I exactly. hate everyone. And then <laughs> yeah. you're like straight away, you're like, like two weeks later, you're like, okay, so I'm booked out until February. Exactly. Oh. Keep doing what we're doing. So um, so like yeah. you're not gonna if you're gonna take us out, it's gonna take a lot to take us out because we're we're strong-minded people. Um, and it is heavily politicized politicized yeah but a few things first of all we're in new south wales so we should probably do something and that's why i've been thinking we haven't held back on talking about it i post about it i want to do a full post about about prong collars not that i get heaps of views or anything but i'll do whatever i can i think number one education is everything we need to just continue to talk about this to be that you know it was probably a massive mistake to think that as professionals, we put a collar on a dog to be cruel and to abuse the dog. I think it's just ludicrous. You're, you're not even just attacking our technique. You're attacking personality and mindset of an individual. So if you say that I'm, Integrity. it's like, it's, it's huge. It's, it's like, I'm totally offended by that. That's ridiculous. Um, to, to assume that 
I chose to put a collar on a dog so I can abuse him. It's ridiculous. It makes you so mad because it's personal, right? Not just um, about a technique or, or a tool. But um, yeah. but I guess one thing that we can do here in New South Wales, and I, you know, you know, you daydream as you walk your dogs, and I thought, what if we all rocked up, all my clients with prong collars, we all rock up to like Parliament House and gone, do you see these dogs? And that are they looking like they've been abused? Do they look they upset? Don't- they don't care. They no, don't care. No. Why they don't care? Because we um, we submitted video evidence of people having profound changes, like profound, like dogs that couldn't even be in the presence of another dog from like a hundred to two hundred meters away, to dogs being able to be integrated into society and their little female owners be able to walk them and do stuff with them and get them out and they live their best lives now. And, though I, you know, I actually feel sorry for those people because, like, I've got a couple of clients now that are like, we didn't even have a lot of time, like, to get this, to sort this out. Like, it's not as simple as just going, okay, yeah, I'm not using a prong collar now. Like, if your dog is used to using a prong collar, you've got to think of alternatives that are going to provide that same level of feedback. And I guess that kind of ties in, it's probably a nice segue, why do we use a prong collar? And I can speak from my perspective. And my perspective is is that I use a prong collar for precise communication to a dog that has possibly not had the ability to have that precise communication delivered to them uh, in a really clear way. So dogs, the most, uh, I guess, effective way that they um, that they take in information is through like a tactile tactile feedback, right? So Agreed. from my perspective. There's a hierarchy, right? Yeah, there's a hierarchy. So it's tactile. I think it's visual and then I think it's verbal. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, when I'm looking at a, a dog uh, on a lead, there's so many other factors that contribute to that dog being on the lead. You know, a lot of the time uh, I will use a prong collar for a dog that really struggles to emotionally regulate and they're lacking a lot of impulse control. So if we've worked on a lot of uh, confidence building um, and a lot of uh, obedience building and really building in those solid foundations and we've looked at the layered stress model and we've, you know, we, we're certain that we've done all those things in the layered stress model, you know, their, um, their ability to... Uh, to be biologically fulfilled, their diet's on point, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then from there I go, okay, well, the leash is a communication tool. Instead of looking at it as a restraint for this dog, let's talk about how we can make it a communication tool. And what I do is I use engagement as well as tactile feedback to help the dog switch gears and not be so uh, deaf to what is going on around them. They And I find the prong collar is a great tool for that because what it does is it creates the opportunity where the dog can actually hear you, which is then followed by verbal. Mm-hmm. So uh, leash, subtle leash pressure followed by verbal, which is then followed by positive reinforcement. And what the dog learns is, okay, pressure goes on, followed by this way. Dog goes, oh, okay, I know what that means. I've worked, I've heard this way in a million, like a million different times or whatever. Um, and then that follows by re- uh, positive reinforcement and the dog builds value for that. And so that's how I use a prong collar. So. Yep. The issue that I have, and this is one that maybe you guys might might be able to weigh in on, I'm not opposed to any tool so long as the tool is appropriate for the dog in front of me, right? Um, I find that I just don't get the same level of feedback and the same level of effectiveness on a slip lead 
because it's a similar mechanism, similar mechanism, not the same. I think prong collars, obviously, they distribute pressure around the neck evenly, um, whereas a slip lead, it's like a fixed point um, or a check chain. I just find it's messy. Like it's mm-hmm. it's got to be a certain way. The dog has to be in a certain place. It's the, the collar, if it's not fitted correctly, doesn't have the same impact. It's got mm-hmm. a similar idea, but it's just not, for me, it's lost a lot of its finesse. Finesse? Yeah, finesse. And I feel like with a prong collar, I have to use far less pressure than I, like, ever. Ever. That I needed to use. Like, ever. Like, on any tool, ever. Um, versus that of a slip lead or a flat collar. For sure. Uh, or even a martingale. Um, well, I think in, in saying that, to answer some of that question for people that don't understand what we're talking about, is that, we, and for me the same, if I'm using the prong collar, I don't usually and very rarely use it as a positive punishment. Positive in terms of mathematical, we're adding something and negative means we take something away. So with positive punishment, adding something that's aversive to stop behavior and it's likely to repeat in the future. So the dog lunges at another dog, a positive punisher would be giving a short, sharp pop on the lead. Compared to using negative reinforcement, the removal of something that makes something feel good, you apply that pressure. And I do something similar. You say this way, I use, I, um, I, I really like using the name game. So I'll go tap, a little bit of pressure, say the dog's name, dog looks at me, remove the pressure, mark and reward. Right, so we're doing very similar stuff. And in that moment, it says, when you feel pressure leaning in, the best way to turn the pressure off is by moving in the direction. Most dogs will come born through nature that when they feel pressure on their body, they will go into opposition reflex and push against it. So with a slip lead, a martingales, I used to use all the time. Um, it was either martingale, check chain or pinch collar. I stopped using check chains a while ago, not because I don't like the tool, but because I got to stock every single one in my car suitable for the right dog and blah, blah. So yeah. I just in found one that. centimeter increments. Yeah, it's just it was so too painful. much. Unless I had a shop, I'm like, I'm not carrying this many. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. And you have like the, the timber thing with them. Yes, all. exactly. <laughs> Dangling around in the back yeah. of your truck. Exactly. So martingale. So now it's either the martingale for certain dogs or the slip lead. I've been adopting and using the slip lead a lot more in the last year and a half, two years. And it's been really, really good. Mm. And then the prong collar was like, dog strong, not naughty, strong. And then he's now desensitized to any pressure. And usually because people, because again, remember, we're teaching people, just ordinary people, how to train their dog. And not all the time do they know how to use the pressure. And all of the times they remove the pressure on the bloody lead while the dog's leaning in, not moving towards. So they teach the dog indirectly to pull on the leash and to react and whatever. We're using the prong collar. It's a lot more clearer. So just to back what you're saying up, the exact same way. However, when, like, why is it that, the slip lead compared to the prong collar, like what's the difference? Well, first of all, in, in my opinion, and using a, like, you know, I always like to use like a martial art perspective because I think it really relates, you know, yeah. in, in bodily terms, body and mind, is that a larger attack, attack is on you. If you're using your hands to push them away, let's say I'm pushing against the side of their rib cage with my flat hands, pushing against them, they can lean into that a lot more. There's more surface area where if I was to push, but then like exaggerate my thumbs. Now all that pressure is now behind my th- the tips of my thumb going into a sensitive spot like the ribs. And then somebody feels that a lot more. And the shock of it is like, hey, what's that feeling? It's not like, oh my God, you defeated me. It's a, what is that? Now, if I was to use it in a self-defense application, I would distract to then do something different, but it, it s- snaps them out of it. It's a mental snap out. 
And it's the same thing with that, with that prong collar, because as it goes around the neck, there's all those points that it's evenly distributing around rather than spreading the surface area out completely around the, the dog's neck, like with a martingale or with a slip lead, for example. And I feel that as soon as a little bit of pressure t- turns on, it's a different stimulus. And of course, when I, every time I put a um, prong collar on a dog, the first thing I ever do is I teach the leash pressure technique immediately. As soon as it's on, yeah. little tiny pressure in one direction. When the dog moves in that direction, I release the pressure and mark and reward immediately. The dog realizes you follow the pressure of the leash and that's how you turn the pressure off. It's not I put it on, I start cranking the dog and charging a punishment straight away. That's just ridiculous and that would be cruel. I think what's most appropriate is this is the direction I need you to move in. So then in the moment of whether you're pulling towards a tree or you're pulling towards a dog, it's all the same thing. I put pressure on, you turn it off by moving towards me and then if we give a specific cue, the dog will tune in a lot more quicker because, as you said, that tactile pressure gets your attention a lot quicker than with what's been previously conditioned. And it may not even be a conditioning thing. You may be the best handler of dogs, but you just have a strong, very high-drive dog. No matter how much pressure you put on, you, you may not even get the dog to to respond. So it's um it, it's very sophisticated. It's like there, there, is, there is a lot of finesse. There is a lot of artistic creativity within it. It's not just as simple as put the torture device on and then just make the dog behave. It's it's just that you're also another, if if we could be offended today, it's like you think that I'm a brute that just puts things on dogs and just bangs it out. Um, and I remember I've discussed this before, but nothing to do with the prong collar, but when I was walking with a friend when I first acquired Chile and I was using the clicker and um, was standing at the traffic lights waiting across my mates with me all the time, walking with my dogs, but he doesn't see me train dogs. I don't even think he really knows what I do. He thinks I just play and play with the dogs in the, in a Daisy field. Don't oval, you? Right? Um, yeah, me, right. Um, so I'm standing there. The, the bus goes by. I saw that Chili was disturbed by buses. As soon as he saw the bus, I click the dog, of course, snapped his face towards me and I give him some of his dinner. And in that moment, my mates like, what are you doing? You're mad scientist manipulating the dog. And he got real tripped out. Like that is, that's different. It, you can see that it's not what you would usually understand what I do. And I'm like, well, yeah, what do you think I do? I'm conditioning to make him feel good when he sees the bars and blah, blah, blah. And he was like taken away by it. And he's somebody who, who I've known. He was the one who was telling me, you got to start your dog training business like 11 years ago. So it's not like yeah. I've just met him yesterday, but people don't realize what we do. And it's the exact same thing by using that tool. That prong collar is really an efficient way. And I tell people all the time, you think the lead is a stopping tool, but the lead is a, I want you to do something tool. tool. It's a communication tool, yeah, 100%. Exactly. It's craziness. Oh, yeah, Luke, were you going to say something? I was just going to say, like, I usually try and explain it to clients. Like, you know, we don't speak dog and dog doesn't speak human, but the leash is a common language between us, you know. It's a way of, and again, like the tactile, you know, the tactile response within the hierarchy of what the dog listens to, right? Like, so that's the best way to communicate with the dog. And, like, if the prong collar is a tool of precision and using that like as negative reinforcement into a behavior. That's typically what we're using it for. We're not using it just to beat the hell out of a dog. Like I can do that with a flat collar all day long if I really wanted exactly. to. But, but in saying that, flat collars too. Yeah, exactly. In saying that, I've never used an e-collar on a dog because in New South Wales, I'm not allowed to use it. So I don't even know what I'm missing out on because I've never had the ability to use it and then not use it. So what I think is normal compared to what someone else who was always using e-collars. And by the way, the use of an e-collar is very, very much 
the exact same thing we we're just that discussing about the prong collar. We don't use it to light dogs up when they do the wrong thing. You use it to make them do something to turn that pressure off. And usually they're at low, medium levels where it's annoying and uncomfortable rather than painful and destroying. So, you know, um, but I think that's worthy to know is that you don't know what you have until you lose it. And if I got into the industry tomorrow in Queensland, not being able to use prong collars, do you know what you're missing out on? And what does that change in your ability to train dogs? Do your techniques change? So I think that's all 100%. very interesting as well. I reckon 100%. I'll never forget the day um, my business partner, Julia, she had, uh, we were doing a, a puppy a puppy class and um, it was when we first started our dog training business and I I finished my NDTF and whatever and I and she she was an instructor on my course so it was great that I had the opportunity to start a business with her um, and I remember she she has a Kelpie called Hamlet and he um, he was previously quite reactive and she's done amazing work with him um, she's a phenomenal trainer and she had a prong collar on him and I remember I never forget she never lets me live this down I just said to her I looked at her and gave her this face and I said you can't have that on this dog. Like we're about to run a puppy class. Like you can't have that. And I was so like, you can't. Like what happens if people see that? Like, and then I remember the first time that I put a prong collar on my dog, I was like, I need to understand this. And um, I really, I needed a tool that was really precise with my, um, you know, performance line border collie Vixen. She just thinks so fast and in, in certain circumstances and in situations, she just needs way more clarity and way more feedback. And I found that I was doing that with the flat collar and a martingale, but I was struggling a lot because I was like the level of pressure I have to put on this dog just for her to hear me, to be able to engage her, to be able to play engagement games, to be able to do that is just too hard and it's too much. And I I was like, okay, well, I'll try the prong collar. And I remember once I tried a prong collar, I was like, <gasps> I was oh, like wow. this is the <laughs> best. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, I felt like too when I started translating to my clients what was happening is because of the look of it, they were so worried about hurting their dog that they were really precise and careful with it, whereas I feel like on a flat collar, people like yank this way and I'm like, stop yanking. Why are you yanking? That's <laughs> exactly. what you're doing. And same with a check chain. I, I stopped using check chains for a period there because people were just jumping to punishment straight away even though I I'm like, where did you learn that? I didn't teach you that. Like, obviously, we teach corrections and stuff like that. Um, because think- it works really easily. So we just use yeah, it all the time. That's it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, that's lazy. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, you need to teach the dog. Like, why are we punishing the dog for something they don't even know what to do yet? Like, let's teach yeah. them what to do first, right? Um, but, look, as far as, like, alternatives and stuff go, and, and I think as far as techniques go and stuff like that, you can definitely... I feel like there will always be that kind of dog that weight and power disparity with an owner, a pronkler is still the most suitable tool for that dog. I mean, you can put a halty on a dog. I've watched dogs be conditioned on halties and still hate the crap out of it. Um, and they just tolerate it and they don't like it, but they just tolerate it because they, you know, they're like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do this. Um so, I mean, you can kind of get a bit of control there on a halty for those larger, more powerful dogs. It's not my tool of choice. I don't really like using a halty um, at all, um, and I don't usually recommend them. I just don't think it provides the right feedback to the dog. Um, it's also, I don't say impossible, but I don't, I can't think of a constructive way to give a correction on a halty. Mm, um, stuff, yeah. Without whipping the dog's yeah. head around. Yeah. yeah, without whipping their dogs and compromising their neck. Um, but 
I think and dogs behave on halties like, because they're suppressed. Yeah, absolutely. And I've watched so many dogs be suppressed on a halty. So mm. many dogs. Um, and I think like like when I look at alternatives and stuff like that, why I guess where the prong collar fits in, where now we've got to bridge that gap, is that for me, the prong collar was the most effective way to get that dog uh in in an environment in environments where they can um they can hear their owner and they can have a conversation with their owner on the lead and they are part of the conversation versus working against the owner right and so because of that the dog then has the ability to go out in more places and because it has the ability to go out in more places and has more liberty and more freedom they're being more biologically fulfilled, which is helping yeah. in all facets of their training. Now, because we can't do that anymore and we have to come up with an alternative, what I find people have to do now is they have to spend so much more time building on, like I always use engagement games and pattern feeding and like Sarah Bruski, um, her stuff is amazing, like, um, you know, getting, uh, getting um, you know, like doing pattern games and engagement games and things like that. And I always teach my um, I always teach my clients these games. But the thing is, is where the prong collar kind of assisted in that was translating those games from an, a familiar environment to an unfamiliar environment. Whereas now, because I don't have that piece of communication, it's really, I've really got to build emotional resilience and rely on that emotional resilience and take it into unfamiliar environments at a much slower pace. And I feel like the average pet parent doesn't or pet owner doesn't necessarily possibly have the time and possibly even the patience and commitment that we do as trainers to do this day in and day out until yeah. they're changing their dog's emotional response. But the reality is, is that for a lot of dogs, that's hardwired. Like that, we look at yeah. we talk about genetic bandwidth of capability. That's my favorite line ever from Pat Stewart. Um, and a lot of those dogs, probably on their best day, aren't even going to be capable of doing that on their own without support. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah totally. And then what do we say? We say, well, then keep the dog inside, do do engagement games, and walk when there's no one around. Um, so you can let him run around like a psycho. Um, you know, is is that a better choice? And then people say, well, why don't you? Like, I don't know. Like, we, if we ha- if we can come up with remedies, one thing I wrote before, and I think it's really important that this can probably spark or even create some momentum that, well, if the government cares so much about dogs and their welfare, then why aren't we making, and I know we can get into many different rabbit holes about, you know, all the issues with what I'm about to say, but, you know, some basic education for dog owners that you need to know what positive reinforcement is, um, not, not not something that just feels good. Um, you know, it has to be like, well, what is it, like, you know, what are tools or, you know, what is a critical period? Like, I think all these, I think all people should know that, um, you know, I think. Yeah. It's it's something like if I want to learn a skill, like I learn all the fundamentals of those skills and why is it that acquiring a dog, you don't need any fundamental skill building? Like I just think if you care so much, then let's regulate it in a way that we can now educate so that if now maybe hopefully if people do the best they can from early on, then maybe we won't have so many issues which then dogs will be out of control, which then means that they need the prong collar. I know there's still be dogs that would 
be better off with the use of a prong collar, but let's just say, is that an option or is the option, you know, which like one of our greatest fears is that, well, if you can't control the dog in a society that we're thriving in this way, in this civilization, why do you need a hunting dog? Why do you need an oversized dog that you can't walk around? Um, who, who, what sort of person are you that you need a beast on the end of a leash anyway? I think it's repulsive and blah, blah. So you're going to have that type of conversation with people going, why do you even need a dog? You're not hunting or doing any traditional jobs. And I can give you a whole 15 episodes in a row about why you should have a dog, um, you know, and, we also did an episode of why of people that shouldn't have dogs. You should check that one out. But I guess, you know, it, it's going to bring up a whole lot of can of worms for us. And I think we have to have some answers to that. And then also, you know, we are the next generation of dog trainers. If we stay in the game for the next 30 years, we are going to be, you know, some of the, the elders of the industry. So I think we need to hopefully, and whoever's listening to this, like, you know, we need to, like, what are our alternatives? Not just about what tool and technique to use, but also everything to come. We need to, I don't know, have the conversations. Like, I would love to have somebody who opposes all the things that we talk about. No one wants to come on. Um, I guess nobody really talks about us. I don't know how much reach we get, but no one, well, not that I've been aware of. It's actually, I haven't heard any bad feedback in a, in a long time. So, you know, unless they're hiding behind closed groups on Facebook or they're talking amongst each other. Um, if you heavily disagree about this, let's have the conversation. Share that with your followers so we can all have a conversation so that is that the way that we can change the way that culture sees it? Like, I have no idea. It's it's very challenging and it's super concerning. It's just, it's craziness. I don't think, to be honest, I think because we all have different opinions. We all live in the world of confirmation bias where we just look for a things to support our own um our own stuff like yeah. i'm not gonna lie like i'm a member of i i shouldn't say this too loud in case they they find me and they kick me out but i'm a member of so many positive uh reinforcement only groups um because i want to see what they're doing i want to see yeah. what they're learning like if they only ever use like thinking of the four quadrants of operant learning, if they only ever use um you know reinforcement plus like positive reinforcement then They've got to be bloody good at it because they only use one, one quadrant. Like, so if they're they're good at it, I want to know what they're doing that makes them so good at it and I want to get better at it. But I think at the end of the day, what we need to, um, I think what we need to, I guess, do is firstly, it's so, it goes so much far back, like further back than that. Like the first thing that we need to do is to look at how we interact with each other on social media is the first thing that needs to happen because right now everyone just says whatever they want on social media with no uh, no consequence. And I think that we need to, that needs to change first before we can even have an open dialogue uh, with people about concepts and, and things like that. And then at the same time, we also need to get better just in our communication strategies as generally as a population. I think we're too much in our phones, not enough face-to-face, not enough ability to conf- have conflict resolution, um, so on and so forth. So like, it's, I know it sounds ridiculous, like why are we talking about this on dog training? But if we have the ability to do that, then... It makes it a lot easier for us to find alternatives and work together as an industry versus working as little tiny camps in in an industry. And that is what where it went wrong is that 
because we weren't united as an industry, we were caught off guard, no one knew what was going on. And now even still we're all scrambling and everyone it's like everyone's fighting. Like everyone's mm. like, I don't want to listen to you and so on and so forth. It's such a bigger concept. It really is. And dog training tools will always be a bigger concept. I think what everybody's going to have their own opinions and belief systems, and that's okay. But what we do need to get better at doing is going, all right, how can we find common ground? And if we can't find common ground, then how do we agree to disagree in a constructive way? And I think that's going to be really challenging when we're talking about another living species because we well, like it, what's that. what I'm thinking just off the top of my head is that all right, and this is not me applying this, but I'm just thinking out outside out loud is. Well, I can't put the prong collar on, but my dog acts like a fool. What if I wrap the lead around his flank? So when he pulls, I just like pull his flank up. Like the flank is like the bit where your your um the the dog's back legs connect to the hips, I guess. Um, you know, like and I think I've seen like a technique like this is how I walk my dog and like they wrap the lead around the back there and they pull it around. I'm like, I can see how that works. That seems like you're gonna hurt his genitals, hurt his legs, probably injure him, probably piss him off, and he looks like he's gonna bite you. Um, why do we have to go that extreme to get some sort of physical contact and tactile communication, you know, compared to like, you know, it's just, it's concerning. It's concerning for the people that actually will do harm to their dog and through ignorance, not through arrogance. Um, I think people just get more creative with hurting their dogs if they hurt their dogs already. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a case of, you're assuming it's it's and I think I've said this before, maybe even the last episode we did together. It's like we're gonna ban the electric drill because it looks like a gun. It's like all the traders are like, so yeah. I have to use a screwdriver now. Like, yeah. That's the thing too, right? Like you can't um you can't you can't legislate out what's the word? You can't outlaw an attitude, right? Yeah. So like if someone wants to hurt a dog, they'll find a way. They hurt a by dog, they by cook. Yeah. 100%, Luke. I'm, I'm so on point there. 100%. The people that are doing that are already doing that. Mm. And, um, and they're not stopping because of a law. Regardless of. Yeah. And I, can, I can tell you what, the people that were behind the, the like, to save the prong collar aren't people that are, like, I stood there in parliament. Well, I really stood, didn't really stand up. But I sat there in the hearing and talked about, like, engagement and, like, what we do and how, you know, talked about, like, the layered stress model, like, these are not coming from people that are trying to ruin animals' lives. We're coming from a place of empathy to our clients and empathy to the dogs. And I'm trying to find a way to put as little pressure on the dog as I physically possibly can to achieve the results in a way that's going to be reasonable for the client in front of me. Like, yeah, you can say, oh, yeah, do this technique. It's going to take you the next four years to change the dog's emotional response. Like, Far out, like who, like some people don't have four years, like do you know what I mean? And then what do we do? Do we just shun those dogs? And then this is what we talked about. And I hate that attitude of like, all right, well, if you can't do it this way, then stuff that dog. That dog's that dog deserves to be euthanized. Well, that doesn't. That is not right to me. Like that is not right. Like if there's a different way, why can't you try a different way? You know. Well, if the dog is properly aggressive, and the owners can't handle and manage him properly, then does that mean for somebody who hasn't got the option of utilizing the prong collar or whatever tool, let's say the slip lead, the martingale, let's say all of them, then do we have to get used to saying, yeah, that dog's not suitable for our culture and society, so he must die? Um, do we give him capital punishment? Like is is that literally the solution or do we do we drug him? 
Are we drugging him so hard that he doesn't respond to any stimuli anymore? Because, you know, like it's just, it just doesn't seem like a feasible thing. That's why we're so confused about it. Hence why we're still talking about it. And probably most people in our position are probably still talking about is that I just don't understand what you're talking about. And that, yeah, it's all different states. You go on one side of the of the line. Like in Queensland, you can use a, a remote collar, right? Yeah, you can use an e-collar. Yeah. So I go to Queensland to use the e-collar, come on the other side or into New South Wales or use a prong collar. Like it's just what d- d- does it does the gravity change from state to state that makes a tool more like it just, it just shows how ideological it is because in every state, you're not allowed to burn a dog. Like in every state, you're not allowed to kick a dog up the ass. Like in every state, because that's like plain cruelty. Yeah. But to talk very politicized, and that's the point is that if you start banning what you talk about, because that's happened in the last couple of years, you're not allowed to even say something because you'll get canceled and getting canceled for some people means you have no income anymore. So that's more than just being, oh, you're not allowed to use YouTube anymore. It's like, no, that's like some people's job. You just took that away from you. Like, and we see so much of that, so much suppression, suppression, that is that something that's just going to continue and to snowball. And I think it's like, we're trialing it on the dogs in a way. Again, this is like maybe a conspiracy moment, maybe tin hat foil moment, (laughs) but it's like, we trial this on, on so many different levels everywhere. Is that before you know it, we're just so used to being told what to do. And It's just it, it, that's another concern as we grow up because we're not old. Like we're going to live another, hopefully, um, live another hundred years anyway. But as we continue to grow up and live in our world, how much more is going to be taken away when we know the proof? So it's just it's it's really like you just like that a checkmate. And maybe some camps are laughing at us, going "ha ha." But like as I said before, like that doesn't change the livelihood of a dog though just it's it's confusing and and if you're so for it well then why aren't you talking to the people that endorse the things that you don't like like why can't we have the conversation or maybe we should reach out to them but i don't know because i don't really hang out in the industry like you're in the facebook pages and shit i don't want to be anywhere near it not because i don't care it's just that i'm like my brain's got too much shit thinking about already not to mention to think about them um but maybe you're playing the right game you're seeing what is the I guess we'll call it the other side because I guess it is. What are the other side doing? What, what is the the enemy up to? Do we need to like infiltrate them? And I think it's just, it's it gets us to a point where I think the only thing we can do now, look, we've got a podcast. We get some people listening. You know, people are interested to, to come on the show and chat. So we're doing the best that we can. And we're hopefully that this can travel all around the world and that whoever's listening to this can share it with their friend who can share it with another friend. And who knows the ripples that come from these conversations? We're passionate. Clearly, it's 8.45 a night for me, and we're sitting here chatting about this, and um, nobody gives us any money for this. So we're doing this because we care. Like, do I have to yeah. stand on a building and scream it? Like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? This is craziness. Um, yeah. I reckon um, the first thing that we need to all do is um, we need to be really mindful about our language that we use within the industry, and we need to make sure that we're not, if you do, or if you are a content generator, that you're not spreading content that is working towards creating more segregation we want to be working towards being inclusive and helping people understand that the more segregation that we create within the industry the more that people feel isolated and um i guess uh what's the word like yeah isolated from you and they don't want to connect with you so the more common ground that we can find Mm. the better it's going to be we can connect with each other and then we can actually open have open dialogue 
Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, who did that really well was on the canine paradigm when Denise Fenzi went on the canine paradigm. And that was like one of their best episodes. Like I mm. love that episode so much. I've listened to it like a million times. And um, they're diff- they were different. Like Denise is a, um, a, a different She's a different kind of trainer um, and she trains in a, in a very different way uh, to say perhaps what Pat and Glenn traditionally train um, or, you know, whatever. And that was one of the most interesting conversations and I think everybody in our industry loved that episode. Like, I don't know, I love that episode. Look, I think you're talking about somebody who has like common sense and common decency and he's like a responsible, reasonable human. Like, that's great, yeah. but, you know, people are assholes and... No matter, like I was listening to a Joe Rogan episode with the lady who, like Erica Thompson, who does like the beekeeping thing, and she goes, "There's there's political drama for beekeeping," and you're like, "Come on, guys, deal with your bees and get over it." She's like, "People like deal with your fucking dogs, get over it, and just train dogs." And it's like, well, it's not that easy. And I'm sure in beekeeping world, or in you know, we are talking about you know the funguses and like all the you know in the mushroom collecting um, gathering people there's there's dramas it's just wherever humans are there's going to be human politics and we're going to argue and disagree about the stupidest shit because when you get deep into something it, it's your personal journey in life and everything that makes up what you are comes to the surface into the thing that you're passionate about so it's like no no this is how i was raised this is how i think this is how it should be and it's like have you thought of this and have you thought of that? And I continue to develop and grow as a trainer. I know that. I can see that I'm constantly changing the way I have to teach something. And I'm sure when I'm telling people, you got a puppy, listen to these episodes, episode three, this, that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did say that three years ago. Um, we're going to change it a little bit. It's kind of like this now. And that's me and yeah. what I said three years ago, not to mention somebody else with a whole nother, you know, perspective of life. So I don't know. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, but I think. We don't want to be so naive either. It's either two things. It's either we try to all gather together and try to deal with it or, or, <laughs> or we just go hard and go, no, no we're at war. Nah, we're we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. You're, you, you want to sing Kumbaya? I'm ready to get my sword and my spear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and others are like, I'm just going to keep doing what I do until I fizzle out. So I think those are the three options. Either let's try to create unity. Let's fight to stand up for what we're doing because – they're fighting a, a, a fight and we're, you know, we'll say they and there and we're losing, we're winning, whatever. But you get, you get what I'm saying, that there's an agenda and it's not working in our favour right now. Um, I think I don't want to like maybe people listen to this and they start like a revolution in dog training world. Um, but I think I think realistically it's either three things. It's either we, we try to unite and I think we, we try our best to do that. Maybe we could try harder. We could try harder to like create. But are we going to really make a difference? Nah, you know what I reckon it is? We need to keep posting. People need to keep posting good footage of them working dogs. That's it. Yep. It's yep. all the end of the day, what it comes down to is cool story, show us your dog. And the only way yep. that we're going to be able to show the, this working is to show it in action. And the way that you do that is by posting your stuff online. Um, you know, yep. um, again, Pat's one person that does it really great. I don't know if you've seen that bully that he's, you know. Yep. His sister's dog, I think he said. Yeah, yeah. sister's dog. It's, it's, I love watching that dog. Like, it's such a doofus, but it's just such a great, like, such a great thing to watch and watch his little moments with that dog. And that's the stuff that we need to start seeing. You know, you guys post your stuff as well. Um, 
and every now and then my dog features in my stories and things like that. That's what we need to do. We need to get our stuff out there and show our relationship with our dog. Um, and and then when we do come up against, a, a, you know, adversity and, like, when we do come up against someone that has an opposite opinion, that's when we exercise our inclusive attitude as opposed to being combative and defensive. Yeah, I, and I feel you. That's the kumbaya moment. That's a kumbaya moment. Look, it's it, and I, and I ra- you know I mentioned raising children before. It's that you know um, there's different parenting styles, and some parents don't like certain ways, one way or the other way. And you know there could be a situation where just the other day, I won't name names in case families listening, but they're probably not. Is that we're sitting <laughs> at the table, and it's like you know a certain somebody, a child was like, I'm not eating, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And they're like, no, don't do this and don't do that. And like, no one's following through. And I'm like trying to enjoy my meal. And it's at my house. I'm like, hey, I got up. It's like, listen, if you haven't finished your food, I don't care. You sit on the table until everyone's finished, like the children's table, and then you can all get up. But there's some eating. Now they're not eating because you're getting up, blah, blah. You're messing around. You're doing weird shit. You're like, you're out of control. And I, no one laid any hands on anybody. No one was screaming. It was just firm, assertive, and straight to the point. And it's like, awesome. They sat down, the parents are like, thank you. And I'm like, hey, man, no, thank you. It's just how it should be. Um, now, that's a parenting style where if I did that to another child in front of their parent, they'll be so, oh, my God, they'll be so offended. They'll be so upset. I can't believe you spoke to the child like that. And, you know, I get lots of compliments. I'm not saying I do the best job, but I think there's heaps of things that I can learn as a parent. But, like, when people say, you know, they've looked after my son for a few hours and like, hey, He's a really good boy. He's got manners. I'm like, he's three and a half years old and you're telling him he's got manners. Thank you. Appreciate that. Like, it's a big win for me. Um, but then everything I've done and everything Tanya's done in raising him has gotten to that point, just like a dog. You're like, my God, your dog's amazing, blah, blah, whatever. And you say, well, everything I've done to that point has led up to the result that you see right in front of you. So, and I may not be using any physical pressure or punishment right in front of you, but my dog's listening. So or not listening, but he's happy and balanced and completely in tune with the environment around him. So, yeah, I agree. Keep posting what you're posting. Keep doing what you're doing. And I admit, five years ago, I was very hesitant to put any photo of a dog with a prong collar on because of all the comments I had to deal with and stuff. And now the dog's wearing a prong collar, wearing a prong collar. Like, there's no, like, well, let's have a conversation about it. Nobody really talks about it. Maybe they just can't be bothered or they don't see it. Um, but um, it's you know, come to group class and the reactive dog group class, most of the dogs that are reactive, they're hard to handle, hence why they're not coming to group class because we, we, we would have already rectified the issue in one-on-one sessions. So it happens to be a group class. We've got the stronger dogs and there's, you know, there's a population of dogs there that have their pinch collar on and they're all there under control, living their best life and everyone wants to come to the group class. So, you know, um, that, isn't it? it's pretty funny, right? Now, Obviously, it kind of speaks to the point that the people that are still struggling a little bit and want to advance their training either go to another level or continue the exposure work is that that's why they come to class and hence why they got the tool. Because if the dog was easy to control, they don't need that much training. The owners need a few techniques and a few ways of handling the dog for them to live their best life. So it's, it is very complicated. It's a, it's, and we are sophisticated practitioners of a, of a technique and art and science. And it has to be more realized that way rather than seeing us as like circus bogans that just like, you know, live with dogs and we make them do cool shit. Like there is something quite sophisticated to the psychology and to everything about it. And that's why, you know, people have listened to every episode of this podcast and literally been able to train their dog because we give it all away. 
I just think if we're going to make an impact, I mean, look, most people don't want to put so much out there because also people don't want to be in the limelight. They don't want to be like being shot fires at being fired shots at them and to be like, you know, inundated with bad reviews and bad comments and people coming to their house because people are psychos, man. So it they is are. um yeah, it's I remember crazy. I remember when I first posted um, my prong call stuff, like I got bad reviews left, right, and center on Google. I was like, yeah. I don't even know you people. Who yeah. are you? Yeah. You haven't even trained with me. Um, and to, to be honest, you just kind of have a, you have to have a bit of a hard, a hard skin um, if you're yeah. delivering content. And everybody that delivers content would probably understand that. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I think that if we just continue to do the best job that we can with what we've got and we keep being ethical um, to dogs and we keep, you know, showing our training, what can you do? Like you can hope that's enough and then just try and be better at being, I hate the word influencing, an influencer, but like just be better at delivering content. Just that's it. How many teachers were upset when the cane was taken away from them? Well, like, this is bullshit. We should be able to beat those kids on the knuckles as many times as we want. Like, imagine the revolution they were going through. And maybe some of those people that use the cane probably even had good intentions. Um, I guess that's an interesting conversation to have because I've never been caned. I was never at school when there was a cane that existed. My dad told me a few stories about the cane. Um, no. But, um, but like, if we look back on it now, you mentioned the cane and the people are like, oh, like, no, nah, no, nah, we've moved past that. We are more civilized. And I'm not saying we should bring it back. Um, I'm just saying now bring back the cane. (laughs) But now talking about it, saying that strangers were smacking your child at at a place that you were not at seems like complete lunacy and also super illegal. But it was common practice where like the like, you know, the, the, the duster you got thrown at. And, you know, so I don't know. I think if we were if we were to look at that and look back on it in hindsight and gone, oh, look how crazy that was. And again, I don't know any stats or any data about where children more behaved with the cane or not. I don't know. So don't hold me to this. But I think that's how people are probably seeing it. Well, you're smacking dogs and you're doing weird shit to dogs. Don't do it anymore. But you're not seeing the dogs that, like we see dogs daily that have so many issues. Like we're like, oh, my God. And like another dog that's out of control, would you say maybe the question here, and I could be wrong, maybe it's just me being paranoid, but seeing the amount of behavioural issues in dogs, does that give you more trust in dogs or less trust in dogs? Because if my son is like playing with a random large dog at a party that, you know, a party that we're at and there's a dog there, my brain leans more towards something bad could happen and I'm always watching compared to the ignoramus who goes, the dog's always sweet, I've never seen him be an issue and then just let their kids three-year-old just run free with the dog. Does being a dog trainer make you more paranoid or more um, concerned of like the bad could happen because I see it more or or does it go the other way for you? Um, I, yeah, being a dog trainer, what you can't unsee stuff once you see it. Um, I think we need to have a bit more respect to dogs as a species personally and um, I think maybe we've possibly given them a bit too much I don't know. Like I just think we've put them in unrealistic expectations yeah. for the species that they are and we expect so much of them. You know, mm. we expect them to go to cafes and sit there for an hour and a half and just be totally cool. We expect them to never, never, ever, ever resource guard any item, any mm-hmm. piece of food, anything, especially around kids that are unpredictable and uncontrollable. Like, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's I a good think, answer. I like that. Yeah, I think that I'm, I have, I definitely as a dog trainer, I'm not naive anymore. And I do think that um, dogs are put into a lot of compromising positions. And I think that we're expecting them to be, we're expecting them to emotionally regulate like a human, mm. but most humans can't even emotionally regulate. So it's a bit, I just think it's. Yeah. Our expectations on them are so so full on. I had a lovely client the other day. She's awesome. Done everything right. She had an incident with her dogs. Now things have turned around um, and going in the positive direction. And I think we mentioned this maybe in the last episode, but, you know, the, the question was like, I want my dogs to be like fully, can I make my dog fully neutral in any situation? And I'm like, I don't know, can you be fully neutral in every situation? What if you're at a public place and someone's running at you full speed are you neutral are you scared are you upset are you going to defend yourself are you going to run away and then when our dog does it we're like i'm horrified it's like damn um a dog off lead was running right up to your dog your dog should probably do something instead of just stand there um some dogs some dogs would stand there and other dogs will try to run and other dogs will try to fight and defend themselves i think yeah you're right we've created we've put so much un Unrealistic, expect, unrealistic expectations on them and lack of management where you're at a party and there's a random dog three times the size of your child running around and not just to mention he can just knock him over and hurt him, but also resource guarding, you know, dominant behavior, aggressive behavior. Can all that start to manifest? Is your child like, you know, can you even manage your child around that? Can I turn around for two seconds without poking him in the aisle, stepping on his tail? So, yeah, I think that's, I think with the unexpected expectations of them, the unexpected the, un- the the expected way that we should be treating them, like when I put the post up of um a little, like the, I was a video ages ago on YouTube of a little puppy dash hound dealing with some separation distress in their pen. And I put the post up, it was like, a, it was like sped up to like five times a thing about, you know, the whole hour of trying to teach a puppy to be in his space. And someone commented saying like, you know, we should treat, treat dogs like children when there's no need for cages, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and I'm like, look, this comment is so so dumb to reply to, but I had to let you know that it's dumb. Um, and then I posted it on my stories on Instagram, and people like laughing and blah blah, and like, oh my god, doing the doing the, the the face in the hand emoji. And then some people said, did you like one person said, did you mention that you put children in a cot? Like, is that not the same as like a pen or or a crayon? I'm like, listen, that's way too much rationality for somebody who's speaking emotionally. And that's a problem. The emotions take away the rationality of certain situations. And I think that's probably another can of worms to open up in terms of how we manage and train our dogs and for the public to view it as well. Mm. But yeah. anyway, that's my, that's my we went We cents. went rogue. Didn't we go rogue? <laughs> we just let loose. We usually do. <laughs> we went rogue. Well, if anyone's still tuning in, it's like pitch black in for I'm the people the on audio. It's like Brittany's in the dark out in, out the I'm back the of the house. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the wilderness. I'm blending. There you go. Can't see me. Yeah, like ninja. And, uh, <laughs> getting uh, getting eaten by uh, eaten by mosquitoes. Yeah. So All right, well, because um, they want dinner. They want dinner. Well, we'll let you go. Hey, it's been an awesome conversation, and yeah, it's. Awesome. It, I think it's really important to have these conversations because this is where new thought is born from you know it's like kind of like the phoenix things burn up become ashes and then we rise something will rise from it i totally feel that i just think we need to keep keep our minds and hearts open and be you know not just stuck in our ways like stubborn people we don't want to conform and just do what is expected of us but i think we should still stick to our guns but also be humble about it as well so um yeah i think that's a good place to leave it 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Likewise. You have a great night and feed your dogs. Thanks, Brittany. Cheers. Thank you. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website, npdogtraining.com, or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.